You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, since the Mets lost out on Yamamoto, they have not been linked to much. One idea that's really, really interesting was the rumor that came out a couple of days ago about the Boston Red Sox potentially telling a free agent, hey, we just need to move some money and then we'll be really interested in you. And one of the names being mentioned as a movable contract, and I would absolutely bring this guy in. I'd give up very little to get him. At least I would tell Boston this. I'm not giving you much. Uh, I'd give you a double A prospect who's not in my top 10 is Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen makes $16 million in 2024, and then he's off the books as a free agent. That would be a smart move. That would be a move that's using the bank account. That would be a move that strengthens my bullpen, but not at some absurd level where I'm giving Josh Hader some kind of crazy five-year contract. And look, I think Kenley Jansen, who's had a wonderful career, you sit him down and you say, look, we're not guaranteeing that Edwin Diaz is always pitching the ninth inning. We're going to play the matchup game. And obviously, because of Kenley's devastating changeup, which he still throws incredibly well, he gets lefties out. He's always gotten lefties out. He got lefties out last year. So will there be scenarios where you're pitching the ninth inning? Absolutely. Will there be a lot of scenarios where you're pitching the eighth inning? Yes. Because quite frankly, at this point in your career, Edwin Diaz is better. But I'm just being nice because once he's traded here, you know, Carlos Mendoza uses him the way he wants to use him. Uh, It is concerning that Kenley Jansen has killed the Mets that like, could he come here at this part of his career and then really fall off the deep end? Sure. But it's only one year. If he fails, he fails. He's gone at the end of the season. And because he's making $16 million a year, I would assume you don't have to give up all that much. Uh, I think that's a win-win. It's a win for Boston because they get to move that contract, assuming they don't want him anymore. And I think that's a, an assumption if they're trying to clear money and you strengthen this bullpen. Because Pete, we've talked about it. They need to add another like real reliable major leaguer. They've already gone out, added a lot of potential arms. And yeah, they're going to have to hit on potential arms. Like if the Mets are going to be good next year, you're going to need a Michael Tonkin or Jorge Lopez or Johan Ramirez to just come out of nowhere and pitch well. And that happens. Like that's what good teams do. That's what the Mets are going to have to do if they're going to surprise people. But right now in their bullpen, they have two guys that I would put under the reliable column, Edwin Diaz and Brooks Raley. If you get Ed Kenley Jansen for a mid-level prospect on a one-year $16 million deal, let's effing go. Yeah, I'm all about that. And, and again, for relievers, I think that I'm, I'm tired of, of going for multiple years with them. I just want to go one, one by one. And I think... And I, this is, again, I, I'm trying to just be this person now. I'm trying to really trust David Stearns and see what <laughs> – I, re, I really am. I want to see what he's going to build. I want to see this pitching lab. I want to see what they could do with some of these projects they have. 
can they pull something out of their farm system and really make these guys into like flamethrowers or whatever it is? Because last year's bullpen was finesse. It was a lot of finesse. Edwin Diaz was was a was an arm that was missing because he was the only guy that had major velocity, and the Mets didn't have that in the bullpen. You need to have some sort of variation, but flamethrowers is a must, and I want to see what David Stearns can do. Kenley Jansen has enough still in the tank to definitely annoy somebody. That's the, sure. the relievers market has not really heated up, so I don't think we gotta have to, we don't have to get nuts about that. It's kind of the same thing with the DH bat. I've been debating how many bats they actually need to add. Uh, J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner, I don't want to say they're redundant because they're so different, but they are sort of redundant because if you hypothetically sign both guys, you're blocking Brett Beatty from having an opportunity to play because J.D. is going to be a DH. He's not going to play the outfield, and that means Justin Turner has to play third base, which means Brett Beatty's blocked. So... It's either or in Turner and Martinez. I've gone back and forth on who I prefer. I probably lean a little bit towards Justin Turner because of his ability to play third base because he's really shown no sign of slowing down. Uh, He has more of a track record of staying healthy over the last few years than J.D. Martinez. But if you add Justin Turner, do they still need another bat? The answer is probably yeah, because they're going to need a left fielder. I mean, right now, who's their starting left fielder? So they still need to add two bats, a reliable reliever, and a starting pitcher. It's like the offseason hasn't even started, by the way. No, it really, it really hasn't. I mean, listen, obviously they've made a ton of moves, but they've made all low-level moves just to build up their depth, and I'm okay with that. I do think, and I think you may have mentioned him, um, but I've been really – I know Giro Urshela was mentioned. I think Tim Anderson really is somebody yeah. that's a project. But they can come in, play second base, you push McNeil to left field, and you now – you put, you filled out your 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 field. Gio Urshela, Gio Urshela's all right. Like he's fine. I think we already know what he is. Tim Anderson is that high reward. Maybe he finds himself from a couple of years ago. Uh, but those are you know decent pieces. Uh, I pr- probably prefer Tim Anderson because of the high reward. If he could ever get back to what he was just a couple of years ago, that'd be the big reward. But here we are. In early January, and we're just looking around saying, all right, uh, what are we going to do? When are we getting better? And I know some Med fans are frustrated because they're not exactly linked to a lot of players. But more on this, obviously, as the offseason rolls on. We did a couple of podcasts over the last week that generated a lot of responses, and they're worth reading, and they're worth getting into. We did a podcast on one-year wonders, and I wanted to find it again. Because it's Met players who are only here for one year, not a Met player who was here for five years and had one really good year. I mean, literally, they were only here for one year. And there were a lot of names that we left out. So I I give it to the Rico audience who did a great job in the emails saying, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? And while some I'll brush off and say, yeah, he sucks. Yeah, he doesn't count. There were a lot of good ones. So let's get right to it. Zalman Freed writes, Guys love the podcast. I was thinking of a couple of players that you have may have missed. The obvious one, Justin Verlander from this past season. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. I've had some remorse about Verlander over the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't regret the Mets trading him. We'll see what these kids, Ryan Clifford and Drew Gilbert, turn into. But if you remember... During the course of those couple of days in between trading Max and trading Justin, 
I was passionate about not trading Justin Verlander. And my reason for it is exactly the situation we're in now. Exactly. Which was, how do you replace both of them? Replacing one of them? Okay, no big deal. Replacing both of them was going to be tough. So just imagine this real quick, and I'll get back to Zalman's email. They never make the Justin Verlander trade. Forget about how last year plays out. Who cares? They suck. This season, this offseason, we are looking at the same offseason, except Justin Verlander is in the Met rotation. And right now, you're looking at Verlander, Senga, Quintana, Severino, Hauser, and yeah, they missed that on Yamamoto. How much better would we feel about A, this rotation, and B, just going into next year? I don't think there's any doubt we would feel better about this Met team. Now, the trade-off is you don't have the two prospects you added, and we'll see what those guys turn into. But the reason I was against the Verlander trade, I think it's very obvious to see now, early January, why? Because it was so difficult to replace multiple starting pitchers. Anyhow, yes, Zalman, Verlander certainly qualifies as a one-year wonder. He couldn't even get to the season, but he pitched reasonably well. The other names he mentions, Hisanori Takahashi. Hisanori Takahashi, and I don't know why we mentioned him on a previous Rico. Oh, I know why. I think it was a year ago when we were talking about other Japanese imports that the Mets have had. Hisanori Takahashi was like this soft-tossing lefty who pitched out of the bullpen and in the rotation, had like a three-and-a-half ERA the one year he was with the Mets in 2010. So, yes, he was a, a solid one-year wonder. The other one he mentions is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison, believe it or not, spent two years here. So he, he would not fit. Let me confirm that, by the way, because that's what my memory tells me. Well, he Scott got tra- Harrison. He yeah, got traded, he right? Two years, so he's out. 11 and 12. What was that? He got traded here, right? Was that the, the initial part of it? Like, he didn't sign originally, did he? Or did they I trade think him away? we signed him as a free agent, as a right-handed bat. Yeah, he was signed as a free agent after he was with the Padres and spent two full years here, and then the Mets oh. let him go, and he left. He had a very good second year here, had a lot of home runs, was crushing lefties. So, unfortunately, Scott Harrison does not fit. But you are right about Hisanori Takahashi and Justin Verlander. Some other names he mentions. Uh Guys who had great careers and then came here to die. By the way, that's another podcast. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on that. It's pretty much everybody. Very good players who just came <laughs> here to die. And his uh, examples are Adrian Gonzalez. Good example. Jose Bautista. Fair example. Bobby Abreu and Gary Sheffield. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you're Bobby wrong about that one. Abreu. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, we forget about that. Oh, I hate him. Clayton writes, here's a name I forgot. Desi Relaford. That's a good call. Desi Relaford in 2001 hit 302 with an 836 OPS. Yeah, Desi Relaford was not a bad little one-year wonder for the New York Mets. Uh, Clayton also mentions Mark Guthrie in 2002. We got him for David Justice. David Justice, who never played for the Mets. Justice for Ventura. And then we flipped him for Mark Guthrie. And then he mentions a name that's also going to be mentioned a lot, and that is Richard Hidalgo. Richard Hidalgo is also mentioned by Brandon, uh, by Craig, by a bunch of guys. Everybody wants to mention Richard Hidalgo. Here's the problem with Richard Hidalgo. He had, I used to call him Dick Hidalgo. Dick Hidalgo. I actually never called him that. I want to make that clear. I never wrote his name in my scorebook as Dick Hidalgo. Okay. Thinking about Richard Hidalgo right now. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to call him Dick Hidalgo? The guy had one good month. 
One good month. He tore it up in July for the one year he was here. Hit 10 home runs, had a 1,000 OPS. He was a freaking beast. The rest of his one year with the Mets was not that good. It, It just wasn't. It's not quite John Buck who had that huge April. But it sort of is. Here are his final numbers. 228 batting average, 759 OPS, 21 home runs, 52 RBIs. And that was in 2004, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That feels like it was yesterday. That was 20 freaking years ago that Richard Hidalgo was on the Mets. But he had this huge month of July in which he had 10 home runs and had an OPS over 1,000. So not that I'm the judge and the executioner in this whole thing, but I'm sorry, that doesn't count. (laughs) I just can't include that. (laughs) Eric LC writes, the one-year wonder that most comes to mind is Moises Alou who I remember as a clockwork hit machine for the Mets. Alou was hurt a lot, which forced him to retire. I don't think you included him in the podcast. Per baseball reference, Alou only had 49 at-bats in his second year with the Mets with his last game on June 10th. I believe that makes the cut because he barely played. Contrast that with Lance Johnson, who I don't believe makes the cut, He had 265 at-bats in his second year before being traded to the Cubs. I think when I mentioned Lance Johnson, it was an honorable mention. Moises Alou definitely deserves to be an honorable mention because you are right about that. Like, he was here for two years, but it wasn't, you know, he didn't really play very much in that second season, mainly because the guy could not stay healthy. It it was so unfortunate, man, because Moises Alou, and I have to look up where this kind of falls in Met history. Moises Alou, over the course of those two years he was here, played 102 games. He had 377 at-bats. So it's not quite a full season, but it's a pretty big sample size. His batting average as a Met was 342. Like, that is one of the great, I know it's not a long period of time, but that's one of the great runs you'll ever see. That's the highest batting average in Met history. No, Unfortunately, it doesn't count. It's not enough at-bats, but still. No, but Moises Alou was one of those dudes that was like, when you got him, because I remember him with the Cubs, with all these other teams, the Marlins, and like I just remember like him being a winner, and like I, I kind of wanted to see him be part of the Mets as they won. And I remember obviously the 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 no batting gloves. That was another thing about yep. about him too. It just he just was. That's why when they said, "Hey, you know, uh, we're gonna get a new manager. His name is." Um, I'm blanking on his name now because he's Rojas, Luis Rojas, and he's a link to the Alus. I'm like, oh, he's got to be great, right? Remember Moises? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate that Moises couldn't stay healthy. And look, a part of that's the Mets' own fault. They brought him in when he was 40. So when you have a 40, 41-year-old, we Jet fans are learning about that with Aaron Rodgers. You can't expect them to just be healthy. You know, you bring in a guy who's 32 years old, prime of his career, you're like, yeah, I expect you to be healthy. but being upset that Moises Alou was hurt, like you'd be upset, but you almost had to expect it at that age in his career. Hold on. So just really quickly, and I know that we're getting off topic now because we're going back to things we talked about. 
We're looking to add Justin Turner or J.D. Martinez as the bat for the, this offseason. We're yes. going the same route again. I, I, I get it. But you know what? Eyes wide open. I, I get it. There's going to be a risk. Older guys are more risky to get hurt. Okay. You got me. Will Brown brings up a very good point. Evan, I'm surprised you didn't mention the Mike Hampton gift that keeps on giving during this holiday season. As we all know, his leaving ultimately did improve the Mets with the selection of David Wright in the first round of the 2001 MLB draft with the compensatory pick the Mets received as a result of Hampton's exodus. Truly the best one-year wonder. That's a great point, Will. That is a good point. When we talked about Mike Hampton as the greatest one-hit wonder in the history of the New York Mets, we did leave out that there was a parting gift. It's funny. I don't know why I remember this, but there are certain free agents that you lose that I guess to hold out hope that things are going to be okay, you remember who is taken with that compensatory pick. So in the case of Mike Hampton, it's easy because the guy turned out to be a really good player. But the other free agent I think of that the Mets lost, where I always think about the compensatory pick, was Jose Reyes. Do you know who the Mets selected with Jose Reyes's compensatory pick? I don't know why this one jumps out at me. But again, maybe it was the coping of losing Jose Reyes in free agency. All right, so what, this is year 2012? Yeah, and the guy, by the way, made it to the major leagues. So I am not bringing up someone that didn't get here. Uh, is It's not Conforto, is it? It is not Michael Conforto, no. Is it a pitcher? Is it a pitcher? It is a catcher, and that guy's name is Kevin Plowecki. Oh, great. Kevin Plowecki. So when the Mets (laughs) drafted Kevin Plowecki, I was like, oh, they can make make this thing work out. Larry Klein brings up a great one-year wonder that I did not mention, and that's a bad job out of me. That's why the Rico listeners are so damn good. And the person I'm talking about revealed to, I think I was doing the show with Joe at the time. Now I get confused. Who the hell was I doing the show with when we talked to this man? But this man revealed that he always wanted to see what it was like to pitch in New York, in LA, in San Francisco, and in Chicago. He never got the chance to do Chicago, pitched in LA, which is where he was known, pitched in San Francisco, and pitched that one year with the New York Mets and had a really... I mean, good may be too strong, but he went out there and made 32 starts and was a crafty veteran for the 1999 New York Mets, and that's Oral Hershiser. Oral Hershiser, one year with the Mets, 13-12, and 12, 4.58 ERA, 179 innings. For some of our older listeners, and not that much older than us, but like a few years older, you remember Oral Hershiser as like the devil, as a guy you hated from his days with the L.A. Dodgers, specifically with his domination in 1988. And there he was 11 years later as the wildly veteran for Bobby Valentine, who I'm still convinced was scuffing the ball every five seconds. Think about it. Oral was like touching his hat. He was touching his ass. He was touching everything. And all of a sudden that ball would dance. So I've got no proof to back it up. But I I was always under the illusion that Oral Hershiser was, you know, cheating a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. It happens. It happens. Uh, A couple of guys wrote this one-year wonder. Don King was one of them. And that is, and Luan Hassani was another. So I want to give proper credit to everyone who brought this guy up. And that's Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett had a very good one year for the New York Mets in 2022. 
15 and 9, 342 ERA through 181 innings. I think the problem, unfortunately, for Chris Bassett, and this will be the way we remember him, we will remember him for the way it ended. We'll remember him for the comments about us as fans and pitching in New York City. But more than that, we'll remember for what happened in Atlanta against the Braves and certainly what happened in the game three winner take all against the San Diego Padres. Is that necessarily fair? Not really. Because he had a very good year. I remember we would talk about it on the Rico. He was their most reliable starting pitcher. And all of a sudden, he's not there anymore when they needed him the most. So we definitely appreciate it on the one-year wonders. 